as a mother a few times over. So I'm going to ask you to stand too, baby. Um, it is so amazing. I don't know if you know it, how much motherhood is on, is uh, coming under attack. How many of you understand that, what I'm saying? Did you know, I, I was amazed to find out in, the, in this latest generation how unpopular it is to be a mom. I want to tell you, moms, we just need you to shine. And you do this morning. And we're so grateful to you because you get to be the first example of the love of God to all of us because none of us are without moms. Amen. And I want us to in honoring moms today, would you just give a mighty hand clap for all of our mom, mothers that are here today? Amazing. 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 And I have three incredible children. They, I mean, I, I know you believe your, ch your children are incredible, but you probably don't believe it any more than I do. <laughs> My children are absolutely amazing. Now, everywhere I go, if I have an opportunity to bring them with me, those that meet them are always mesmerized with our children. And the reason why that is is because of their mom. Because she is absolutely amazing. She's a mom to my children, but she's also a mom to so many other people. I was checking her out all week. She's calling moms and calling and encouraging. And it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's just part of her, her nature. Um, I want to honor her this morning. My wife, as a mother of our children, our incredible children. We just learned yesterday that my son is, um, and as I was looking at, I was looking at her um, talking to my son, you know, beaming as moms. Only moms can make children feel. And um, last week, my brother, who's in town, uh, gave my wife a picture of a baby. And so I'm watching her almost well up in tears as she looks at the picture of this baby. Because she's a, she's a serious godly mother. Amen. Amen. And I, I want to, Renee, can we, uh, yes, you're, uh, there you are. I want, would you do that for my sweetheart? I, I want to honor you today, baby, because, and I know the flowers, they fade, but you know, your glory is not never faded. Amen. While they can, while they can keep up with you, I'm going to give you the flowers this morning. Um, and just say to you, so many people around the world look at you as mom. And uh, even this house, spiritually, though we all have biological moms, in a spiritual sense, they see you that way. And uh, you're so beautiful. You really are.
she got pink on the day. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. That's not the, that's not the, the it just when you have an opportunity to check the shoes out, that'll really help you, amen. Um, but to all of you moms today, we are so grateful. I don't know if you've thought about it or not, but the welfare of the next generation is in your hands. And then the generation after that will be impacted by what you've done. You are a fulfillment of God's promise of being good to a thousand generations that love him and keep his commandments because that love is first transmitted from mom to child. And I'm so grateful. And all, you, all of you who are not standing, your sons and daughters, if you haven't or if you can, stand up and just give a good hug to those moms today because they're so special. And we want you to know it, how special you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not even know them, but to hug them anyway. And if your mom's not here, treat her like you. She's your mom today. Christian, Christian Bowie, where are you, sir? Amen. It's absolutely amazing. You have such an incredible job. I really want to call it a calling because it is a ministry. And we thank you. Christian, everyone, please give your attention to the stage. This is Christian Bowie. This is Christian Bowie, and uh, he is going to offer today a prayer for all of, of the moms today. May you please bow your heads. Lord, I pray that you cover these mothers with the blood of Jesus. I pray that you give them strength in any way they've been hurt, harm, or danger. I pray that you give them peace, love, joy, and strength in any other way. Lord, I pray that you give these mothers blessing in the way that they need it. In the Jesus' name we pray, amen. That was good, yes? You received that blessing, mothers? Good, will you clap your hands one more time for Christian Bowie? So on this special Mother's Day, we're going to change things up just a little bit, and um, I'm going to invite you into a relationship that has been going for about 44 years. Man, that's a long time. And so if it's okay with you, I would like for uh, you to please welcome, if it's my honor to share with you, your spiritual mom, if you would welcome Lady Carolyn Johnson to the stage this morning. Isn't she beautiful? Good morning. So um, the first thing I'd like to do, you can sit, Mom. What I'd like to do is um, 
I usually on Mother's Day, we wait until the end to honor Lady Carolyn from, from what we have given. Um, I am, um, uh, you know, it's interesting to have uh, a mom like Lady Carolyn. Uh, my father takes such great care of her. She really doesn't need anything. Anybody stumped when it comes to finding uh, Mother's Day gifts and stuff like that? You, you stumped. Uh, but you know what? I learned something from my mom that I think uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about uh, today, actually. And uh, uh, what I learned is sometimes you have to learn how to love somebody by asking them what they want. Um, if you... Just a, just a little bit, uh, today is going to be designed uh, by just us being transparent uh, about some conversations that we have. Uh, me and my mom, we have a really great relationship. It, it's built over the years. We're not talking about that right now, but I'd like you to have the opportunity to, to give her, if you're a part of a connection group, then we've been doing something for about a week and a half, two weeks, and um, so your phone's not up here, is it? Perfect. Um, so whoever has mom's phone, if we would turn that on silent because it's about to go buzz and buzz and buzz because we have been collecting for about two weeks because uh, I asked my mother what she wanted because uh, the, uh, the group, we have this other, uh, we have a group me or a group text with all the team on it and so we have to have a little conversation without mom to be able to do that and they were, you know, what are we gonna do this year? So I just went to her and I asked her. With our conversation today, um, I'm gonna sit with you mom, that all right? Um, we're gonna have about two and a half, three, so when you're sitting in front of people, ladies, what my mom taught me is just all about moms today. It makes it easy when you put your foot behind here and it helps you keep your legs closed so that everybody don't see your glory. That good? All right. So you turn it to the side. All right, good. Um, so I, you know, if you're, if you know if you're a part of me, if I've ever done something, I always want to keep us relevant. And so I, I want to invite you into a conversation. Mom and I went to lunch yesterday. It's a new tradition that I have uh, because Sundays is all about uh, um, you guys celebrating your own mom and as well as you celebrating our spiritual mom, which is really cool. But I'd like to have my own time. So the day before Mother's Day, that's our time. So yesterday, we, um, she said, you know, I said, you know, where do, where do you want to eat? And she said, you know, I want to go, I should say, I want to go to Neiman's. Anybody ever go to Neiman's? I, I don't know if you knew, but places like Bloomingdale's and Neiman's, if you really, if you go and shop at those places, only the people who shop there know that there are cafes and lunch spots inside of the mall, inside of those expensive parts of the mall. And, and Lady Carolyn's always this lavish as she is. She shops at places like that. Now, I can't quite buy her stuff inside of Neiman's, but I could buy lunch. And so yesterday we had lunch together. We spent probably like three hours. It ended up, I don't know if you realize it, we didn't, we didn't leave. So we shut the place down yesterday for, um, for lunch. And uh, I, I didn't say anything to her. I let her order whatever she wanted because she was thinking that she was going to pay. And my mom, you know, my mom can do her big things. So she, she ordered filet mignon and, you know, she had her thing. And then what was, but the coolest thing was we had this conversation. And it was, it was an intimate conversation. Some of that stuff we're not talking about here on the microphone, but some of the things we are going to talk about today. And I want to show you something. It's a little bit of a clip. Kenny and Chris, maybe you guys can coordinate or know what I think is back there. Coordinate, get that clip uh, ready. I won't move until you give me a thumbs up, Kenny, and you got to come from behind the 
the um, mic, I mean, from behind the computer to show me that you got, that you're ready. So when they're ready, I want to show you this clip. It's something that um, I watch, you know, I, I have, I have a few ratchet, um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 what do you call them? Guilty pleasures. And uh, I do it in the name of making sure that I'm current with regard to the people that I serve as leader and being uh, relevant in my culture. It's a show that I watched and and the, the show is called Being Mary Jane. Anybody watch Being Mary Jane? That's, that's cool. I, I see some of you. All right, so you saw it too? All right, so I, I kind of feel like uh, Mary Jane Paul is a beautiful, rich idiot. And I'm so glad I can say that because it's a fictional character. I'm not talking particularly about Gabrielle Union, but her character was really an idiot to me because I think she they were trying to represent the, 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 the African-American um, uh, successful woman and try to give us what how people are living out here uh, in these streets. And I think that they did a poor representation, but there's a conversation that Mary Jane Paul had with a few of her friends. And I, wanna, I want you to just check out this, this clip really quickly, and then we're gonna have like a brief conversation about it. Kenny, I didn't see any thumbs up or anything, cause like, you ready? All right, cool. So it's just a couple of minutes. Watch this clip. Oh, oh wait, before, before you play that, here's what I want you to check this out. If you go to, everybody pick up your phone, go to the app, to, to Metro City app, if you would, please quickly go to your Metro City app. Uh, 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 where'd I put it there? Uh, uh. And where it says sermons, if you click sermons, you will see on the one, two, three, the fourth thing it says what? Live questions. So when we get done with our discussion, I'm gonna take at least one live question while we're talking, that cool? So cool. So while we're, while we're having our conversation and while we're watching this clip, if you have a question, go ahead, send it, and you may be the one that I pick. Come on, participate. That cool? All right, cool. Kenny, let's go with this clip. Right. <laughs> so, ladies, tell me, why are women still pining for marriage and family when the game has clearly changed. Oh, you're right. The institution isn't what it used to be. Marriage rates have been on a steady decline since the 80s. Well, we might be doing ourselves a disservice by comparing 21st century marriage rates to those of decades past. I think that we have to ask ourselves, why are marriage rates on the decline anyway? I think it's because the men simply aren't out there. I mean, black women know a lot about that. When it comes to starting families, we stopped waiting on men a long time ago. Because the jobs aren't there. Right? A lack of economic stability means fewer suitable partners for women of all stripes. Mm -hmm. When faced with limited employment options and depressed wages, it's no wonder that some men forego starting families. It's also understandable that some women choose to start families on their own. Well, look at Shonda Rhimes. She's single and has three kids. And more power to her. But I'm not wrangling no kids without a man. I need to have wait until your daddy gets home in my back pocket, OK? <laughs> exactly. But why is it that it all falls on the woman to try to fight to make those dreams a reality all on her own? Why aren't men fighting for families as well? Who says men aren't? There's only so much they can do without good government policy supporting families health care, jobs, education, or take paid family leave. Among the lowest wage workers, women of all races and men of color, 97% of them 
don't have paid family leave. Pull Danny in. We need to hear what the white girl has to say. Danny, as a woman from middle America, do you agree that society is the problem? Absolutely not. These men have to take responsibility. But what if the years go by and he still hasn't shown up? What then? Be like Shonda, do it yourself. But I mean, like, look, I have been thirsty for a man my whole life, right? But some of us have a hard time getting to that point. Well, because we bought into the notion that without a man, we'll live a life of doom. Well, that's what society teaches us, right? That if you dare have a child without a man, that child is gonna be prone to all sorts of societal ills, from poverty to drugs to alcoholism, all because a man isn't present. Mm -hmm. But I'm realizing, I think, I might be enough. If we lived in a society that actually supported women and children, I would be enough to be sole parent and provider for a family. Does Justin know about this? Because you sound like you want to be single. <laughs> <laughs> the finer point that I was trying to make is that if women can build empires in our careers, why can't we build families without husbands? Mm -hmm. Without men, perhaps, women are enough. I still want one, though. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, Kenny, you can turn that. Interesting, huh? If we can get lights on, that would be dope. Um, interesting, huh, Mom? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly not the uh, trend of thought that we were brought up under when we were thinking about um, starting a family and motherhood, this, this was not uh, the trend or the thinking in my day. I, I, I do think that, how many of you know people who think, who think like that? Uh-huh, I see you. And, and, and it's, but it's still interesting, even, um, I'm, I'm 44, I don't have any children. Um, I, would, I would like to be married. Um, I call myself Tiffany Carroll. I own TiffanyCarroll.com. I did not buy Johnson because I, I, I'm hoping that my, my, my name is going to change. Yes. Um, and so I, I think it's bold of us today even to grapple with this question and to think about. There are so many things in, even in this conversation that uh, some of you have begun, begun to text already, and that's dope, um, about, about what do we do uh, as people who uh, are, this, it, as we are gonna go on, we're gonna talk about mothers and stuff, but what about those of us who want to be moms, who want to do it right, and to not be uh, idiotic like, to me in my opinion, of Mary Jane Paul, I think uh, that the Lord had an intention about way, the way things should go, and I think maybe that's why society is the way that it is, because of the lack, you know, just, we, we deal with that even right now. The, the, the divorce rate is going up, and, but the amount of children are still, is going up as well. The fact that we house 170 kindergarten kids here every day because this community could not come up with a school that was big enough for it is proof that something is interesting was going on. So how really quickly as we, as we go right before we take a question, what, what should I do? How should I be? What should I understand or believe or know in a society that believes like, say, a Mary Jane Paul believes? Um, I think <laughs> we have to consider the source, first of all, 
and know that this is fiction and these ideals that they are selling are fiction, fictionary, if you will, if that's a word, but they are real questions, but the slant on it saying we are enough and the fact that I can do this by myself and if I can build an empire uh, uh, financially, why can't I build a family? Uh, I think uh, that all of that is to sway a culture away from what God intended. And we have to go back to our source, just like she is sourcing society. She kept re repeating, society is leading us. She society did, she did. Is, is telling us. And society has facts, but they don't have faith. There are a lot of single uh, parents, and I know because we have single parents right here in our congregation, and they're not to be overlooked, and their problems and their um, very sensitive situations. However, I would have to take them back to the scripture to tell them what God had in mind and what he intended, and then my slant would be to train them in that regard so that they do believe that they are enough that they are not at a deficit, but yet uh, they are enough to do what is required by God, not by society. I love that. Uh, one of the questions said, and I, I agree, do you think that, think the lack of faith of a faith-based faith voice or advocate was intentional? Specifically, I'm going to apply it to that conversation. I think that was a an awesome uh, um, obs observation, observation yes. that they did not, they had uh, a black people, they had a white person, it was, it was interesting in terms of even status, but, but they did not have a faith-based voice. I think that what you're also saying as well is I think it's more, it's so important that we are relevant and are in the conversation, not just because we're not, uh, forget um, uh, you know, black people or, or impoverished people or anything like that being represented on TV. What about a faith-based voice being heard on a show like Say Like This? I think you're right, it was, it was missing. And I think it was missing because I think that answer would require more of us. It would require more change of us and all of that. It's really cool. I think um, that we've been afraid to get into conversation um, because we haven't really searched the scriptures to see um, the different scenarios because there are many women that have those same things mm -hmm. and those same mindsets when you look at the scripture. So we would have to go back and do some, some homework. This morning I was reading um, some of my affirmations and one of them is that I am a professor of womanology. I love that. <laughs> and that would mean though that I would have to be current in teaching young women about womanhood and about motherhood. Dope. 
Uh, right before we go to our next thing, what we're going to do, I think this question is, is really good. Okay. It's kind of the thing that I wanted to kind of go after with regard to this section right before we pray and go to the next one is okay. how can a good single woman, how good a good woman be enough as a single mother and find love with a man willing to accept celibacy until marriage? Wow. How can she find him? It's, 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 how, can, how can a good woman be enough as a single woman be enough. find mm -hmm. love with a man willing to accept celibacy until marriage? Hmm. Um, make sure that your home base is taken care of and that you're not on the prowl or the looking party. Um, making sure that your preparation is solid. Because if a man came, for instance, in a situation like this, uh, trust me, he would see all the wanton ones. Did you hear what I said? Because they telegraph. But I think um, a woman wanting to find love in the right way there are a list of things that you need to prepare. One of the things that Bishop says about a woman looking for a man is that um, he, she, she makes sure that he is a worshiper. Well, there are a list of things that I'm going to be teaching very soon about the things that you need to have in your foundation that will b make you very evident in the face of men who are worthy to come and look to see if there is a woman fit for him. And just that attitude alone, not uh, being wanton, but being ready, I think is, uh, is a thing that I'm after. But there are a list of things to be ready. Andy Stanley asked a question this way. He said, are you the one the one you want wants. Good. Are you the one the one you want wants? Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it speaks of what are you bringing to the table? Because all the time we look for the guy to have this, 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 this. But uh, we need to have a list ready as well. Of another part of the great conversation, if you would please give a warm Metro welcome to Pumpkin Bird. That's good. Yes, please, if you would. Good morning. How are you? Twist and pop. Twist and pop right there, girl. Mama say a good job. Good deal. Um, so we're going to move the conversation on just a little bit, and we're going to talk more about moms. Um, Pumpkin, if you would, tell us uh, just a little bit about yourself and your motherhood, and uh, then we'll get right on to the conversation. Well, I am... A mother, a bonus mother of two. Um, it's, it's so it's so strange because every time we talk about mothers and then with the mothers please stand or this, I'm always at half mass. Like, okay, do I stand all the way? Do I, you know? And um, my friend Judah's like, stand up. So, uh, <laughs> but yes, I am. Um, I got two daughters, um, eight year old and a sixteen year old. Bless the Lord, that came along with my marriage. 
and um, I am still hoping and praying and, and believing for biological children as well. Absolutely. Um, man, it was a thought that just left my head, just went on right on up out of my head. Thank you. No, no, you can keep that one. Um, oh, did you know that Lady Carolyn and Bishop Johnson are certified in, uh, with the ability to counsel and, and, and uh, give advice to blended families? Did you know that? Hello, did you know that? Okay, good. It's good to have me. If you didn't know, that's all right. How many, if you will, I know it's kind of difficult, if you would, but how many of you are, you do have a blended family? That, really, raise your hand really high. Look at that. Woohoo! Give yourselves a hand. It's wonderful. See, Mark, a lot. There's a, there are a lot of, of blended families at Metro. All right, so, Pete, maybe uh, you have a, a couple of questions for, for mom or anything about the marriage? I mean, of, of motherhood? Uh, purpose of motherhood? Yeah. Um, well, I believe that the purpose of a mother um, is to guide their children, um, to shape, shape their young minds, um, to allow them to, to make mistakes and be there to explain the consequences. <laughs> I just feel like um, to let them know this could have had a different result if you did this differently. Um, because I, I, I do feel like if they are never allowed to make mistakes or never, never allowed to be who they are, then um, they won't gain that wisdom that comes from my mom. So I guess that'll be it, um, imparting wisdom into their lives. So, Mom, the purpose of, of, of motherhood? Um, the purpose, I agree with Pumpkin, to guide and to shape. Um, the young ones. Uh, also, the major thing is to build their character, uh, social skills, and all those kinds of things are wrapped up uh, in us. Um, I remember <laughs> speaking to our children, saying that one day you're going to be in the presence of kings and queens, and therefore you need to know which fork and which knife to use. <laughs> And so um, we took them to uh, train them with cotillions and that sort of thing and constantly um, spoke to them as I'm starting all over again with grandchildren. So in case you missed it the first time, you, ha you get a second time around. <laughs> but um, all kinds of little things to shape them socially, uh, their value system, those things are to come uh, from a mom. Um, I remember several things in, in re with regard to this. I remember learning how to cook and it would be, you would, you would intentionally say, one day you're going to cook for your family. And it went from cornbread to spaghetti to chicken casserole and on from there. Um, I remember um, I remember you saying to us, you're, I, didn't, I did not ask you what you wanted to eat, but you eat what's put before you. Um, how, how 
important or is there maybe P maybe you've had an interesting challenge with the difference between um, motherhood and friendship relationship you know what I mean I know this question might catch you off guard just a little bit but I think it's interesting the dynamic of relationship between child and parent I know that my mom and I didn't really become friends until I said yes to the same God that she serves um, I thought that she was the biggest witch with a capital B until I decided to serve the same God that she served. Just being honest and transparent with you, uh, maybe you've had a challenge with that. I don't know. Uh, what do you think about that? The relationship of daughter and mother versus, you know, relationship, friendship, or that kind of thing. Um, I can speak on that from my mom, my, my mother's relationship and myself. Uh, I just had this conversation with Mark literally yesterday, you know, just talking about the minds of a teenager, how they're not, there's nothing there, <laughs> basically. Oh, no. And there's something's going to click one day. It's mm -hmm. going to click at a certain age. And, and so I told myself, for me, it was when I got to college. So whenever I do um, give, talk to my mom and give her cards or Facebook posts or anything, I always say that you were the epitome of a mother before becoming my friend. Mm -hmm. When I got to college, I actually was telling her, I love you first, mm -hmm. you know, and it was just like something just, just clicked. The conversation I had with her was so much more easier to have. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally remember that. I'm like, how did I just have this conversation with her about losing virginity or, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Just keep me real. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, it just came out of my mouth that I was just felt so comfortable with her. And since that day of my cop, when I went to college, we've been friends. So I was, I tell her, I'm like, we, you did really good at being my mom and transitioning into my friend. So people today, they, they look at us and they're like, you guys are best friends. You know, we really have a great relationship and it gets a little bit tricky when it comes to being a step, a step parent to you know to your daughters because you do want to be their friend it's like you want them to want them to love you want them to like you like you you know and you feel like you can't put down you know hard rules and this and that because you know what I mean so um it's been much easier with the youngest one um because I've been in her life since she was born and she makes it easy to be her mom um and um, I, can, I can give her advice, I can tell her what's right and what's wrong, and she don't look at it as though, you know, why are you, so, and she, she's the yes and yes ma'am little girl. Um, and so, and with the oldest one, I have to still, I, I, I walk a certain, you know, a lightness around, um, I make sure I do still impart, these are the rules, this is that, you know, and whether, whether she take it as this or that, these are the rules, um, but, yeah, so it's, it's a little bit difficult when you're trying to find that line between. It's interesting. Right, right before you pass it to mom, I, I had a friend who told me that, um, but go ahead and pass it to mom. Um, I had a friend who told me that when you, he said, when you turn 19, everything in your life is going to change. And um, I remember, I don't remember if it was at 19, but it was definitely around that age that, age that even the, the kind of music that I liked, the things that I like to do, the people that I like to, to be around, it did, it changed. Somewhere around there, there was a pop in my, it was, it was a pop. But mom, just a little bit about the balance between friendship and motherhood, what do you, what do you think? Um, I, my go-to is the scripture, of course. Of course. Mary was a young mother. And right, she, right before you finish, don't forget, text a question if you have one, somebody, if you have questions particularly about this, go ahead, Mom. Mary was a young mother. 
and she actually told the son of God what to do in shaping him. She had a part in shaping him. She was a part of a team that actually shaped him. He became a carpenter, so there had to be somebody to teach him about wood and that sort of thing, but he also had a mom that told him what to do. And somewhere between her losing the Messiah and telling him what to do the day of the wedding, servants bring water, don't pay any attention to what he says, but just bring the water. And the water being turned to wine at her um, preparation. And then somewhere there was a transition to where when he was on the cross, then he was telling someone else to take care of his mother. And so there had to be a transition for them as well. It started out with her shaping and molding and giving commands and orders and values and that sort of thing. And then eventually the tables turned and he began. But the Bible says something very um, real and I, and I begin to examine this. It says that a child will rise up and call you blessed. And there is a transition between where they are and how they view you and where they rise to. <laughs> Did you, say, did you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Jesus. It's so interesting. Um, just as a daughter, um, I, I don't remember the moment, but I remember the, the time that it happened where my, my, my mom became my friend. And that, to be honest with you, it is out of, you know, we always talk about the AFs and stuff like that. The F part, the, that friends part, is one of the toughest ones that I have had all my life. Uh, I remember having conversations with my father about it and, you know, just the schools that we changed and I was always the new girl and always the only girl, you know, that kind of thing. But as a daughter, um, when I learned that, it, and I thought it was, you know, sometimes you have to be, let me be honest and say, I thought that the scripture that said, if you want friends to show yourself friendly, I thought it was stupid because I'm the one who needs friends. Why I got to be the one to show myself friendly. Why I can't, I'm, Show me friendly, you know. Uh, just didn't it? Just didn't make it. Just didn't make sense to me. Um, but but it made more sense once I understood that. Um, even in my own personal personality, is people who have left the church and offended because I don't say hey to them and for 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 whatever reason. But what I had to realize is that when when I become friendly, then then it makes it easier to have friends. So it's not just on the mom. To, to um, pursue or be that friend when it's time in terms of uh, appropriateness and all of that. Um, I don't think there is a, um, between my mom and I, I, I don't think, you know, she'll tell me if I'm disrespectful, you know, uh, with regard to, you know, telling her, you know, when I, when I, when I want to uh, say something to Carolyn, I call her Lola. That way, I'm not calling her by her first name. It's my way of being respectful, but telling her what I want to tell her in, in that way. Um, but I think I had to be the one, or one of the ones as well, to be friendly and not just wait on that friend aspect of, of my mom. Oh, Lord, what you want to say? No, I want to add that... Um, it is a transition for the mother as well. Mm. I remember the day that we were sitting at the 
uh, conference table and I told Tiffany, Tiffany, I need you to take me to such and such place right after we finish this meeting. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, Mom, um, respectfully, I will take you anywhere, anytime, because you're my mother and I love you and I honor you. But Mom, I have a life. Oh, I remember that day. And she said, if you would have asked me beforehand, maybe I could have worked it out. However, I have something to do and I'm not going to be able to take you right after this meeting. And I felt like somebody stabbed me in the chest. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. I remember that. But that was the day that I realized that the transition needed to have been made between me mothering a young lady and now, I mean, a young girl, and now I have a young lady before me that has a life and that deserves respect and um, consideration. And it was a great day for both of us. It was an uncomfortable day, but confrontation isn't always comfortable, but it's necessary. I think that issue of confrontation, I think a lot of people run away from it. Um, and I think it, it's, it's very tempting to be that way, even having you as a mom, because you're not afraid of confrontation and you will, you will bring it and say, this is what I said, you know, that kind of thing. And I think as, as a woman, it's interesting to have your own opinion and, and that that opinion is not necessarily wrong and having to be timely with regard to when and how you express that um, was in my devotions even yesterday and praying that the character that my life reflects the character of Christ and that that character is found in the the nine fruits of the spirit and one of those fruits is gentleness so asking the Lord to to um, what you take a, a not a scrub, but but a, some, a sand the sharp areas in my life so that I am gentle and and to really be aware of how I speak when I speak to my mother and that respect is always first, but that I don't have to not be honest and transparent. We were uh, I, I wish you could have been a fly on the wall of our conversation yesterday it was so good in so many in for so many levels but i think it's so important to have courage to be transparent and to be honest maybe lastly right before we go to our next session maybe mom you can help mothers with being able to listen and to to hear um I hope that I have been helpful in with regard to being transparent and truthful. Um, <laughs> God is so awesome. He gave us simple um, scenarios, like he gave us two ears and one mouth. <laughs> uh, and for me, a very practical person, uh, there's a reason for that. And I think before we speak to or respond to people, it's very important for them to get their heart out. And it's very important for us not to stomp on their heart. I remember long years ago, we did a little um, 
skits. You remember that little skit that we did where oh, this this the heart. girl was playing with this guy's heart, or the guy was yes. playing with her heart, and he threw it up in the air and it fell down on the on the floor, and then he took his foot and stomped it. There's been so much damage done, I think, between mothers and daughters, mothers and sons, mothers and children, period, that we need to be very, very careful how, at how, when they do finally get to the point where they share their heart, whether right or wrong, that we take the time to receive it first. I have found that I have learned a lot from my children. And that takes humility. And one of the, the very important uh, attributes of a mother is humility. There are a lot of things that we have to do from changing stinky diapers all the way up, okay? We get a lot of practice. And I don't want you to ever get to the point as a mother that you feel like, um, what is the, the word that uh, when people get welfare and then they think entitled. Entitled. I don't want you to ever get a sense of entitlement as a mother because I believe that it is an honor as well as an office that you stand in. And just like the presidency, there's a way to carry that office. Michelle Obama, pres uh, the ex-president's wife, uh, Mrs. Michelle Obama, was here yesterday, right? Last night. And I guarantee you, I wasn't there, but I could tell you how she sat, how she stood, how she answered, how she carried herself, because she has been bred to make the office look excellent. And for that reason, we must, as mothers, do the same thing. It's awesome. Thank you very much, P. I really Thank you. appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. If you get that to mom, if you would, give it up for Punkin right quick as we go into our next session. Stay right there, mom. You can stay right there, mom. You can stay right there. You can stay. You can stay right there. You don't have to move again. If you would, uh, we're going to move into our next session. I have a little treat for you. I have four young men who are going to come and recite a poem for us. Is that good, moms? If you would, please welcome these young guys, Christopher Flynn Johnson Jr., Marzell Wallace, Blake, and Christian. If you would, come to the stage. Wow. Oh, you can do better than that if you would. You ready? My mom is just like Mary. I was a miracle birth too. She knows of an impossible. There's nothing the Lord can't do. My mother is just like Mary. She went looking for Jesus for three days. She said, boy, get your butt over here. With that look in her eyes, she felt really, really strong. My mom is just like Mary when Jesus turned the water to wine. He said, my time has not yet come. And she said, that was fine. He, she pushed him into his greatness anyway, even though he wasn't ready. Just like when I'm being scared, my mom would tell me, boy, do what I told you. My mom is just like Mary. She was there when Jesus died on the cross, when all his friends abandoned him, and when they had to pay the cost. So if my mother is just like Mary, then maybe I should be just like her son. 
I will be just like Jesus until my days are done. Excellent, excellent. excellent. Yeah. Good job. Good job, if you would, fellas. It's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Marzell, I appreciate you. Dope, guys. Really good, guys. One more time for the fellas, if you would. We're going to have the last part of our conversation. I'm going to invite someone who, um, all of us, uh, if you don't, if you don't uh, revere her yet, you will when, uh, once we have this conversation especially. Uh, she's a mother of mothers. And um, actually, she's a mother of mothers of mothers. She's got, she's got great 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 grands and so that's a different level of motherhood and I thought it was important um really quickly if you would show me your hands of you who are grandmothers I know mom's a grandmother as well yeah several we have grandmothers really cool so um oh that's right yes uh, so if you would, please give a warm welcome to our next conversation if you would please Minister T Garlington if you would come with us I don't know about y'all, but that's how grandma's supposed to look. That's how she's supposed to look, if you would. It's awesome. Um, I have, I don't, T is one of those people that I don't remember not knowing. I'm sure it was somewhere in my, my childhood. I don't remember, when, I, but I could not have been, I don't remember not knowing her. Um, uh, we used to have this thing between my brothers and I. T has always been someone who I have considered uh, as close in, in our family. Um, um, and that's just the way that it is. Her, her children and I, we speak weekly. I speak to, to her children weekly, and uh, we have a very, very, very precious relationship. There were times in my life, especially in my teenage years, where I could not speak. I didn't know how to talk to my mom, but I would talk to T. It was something specific that my mom did is that she pulled, she uh, intentionally pulled people in my life that would back her word up. Now, I didn't know that, I, that she was doing this until I was, was a little older, but I, maybe we can start there. Um, and the conversation about how you as a mom influence relationships of your children and as they're becoming adults. Let's start there for a moment. I know this wasn't really planned, but I think you, know, I think you guys are good at the impromptu. Is that me? Oh, Lord, I'm handing the mic. All right. So uh, actually, this is something I, I think every mom needs. I learned this from T. Garlington that you should have, uh, when your children don't listen to you they, and they're searching for another voice, that you choose who that voice is. And that the voice has the same values as you. I learned that from her. I didn't know that. So she must have learned it somewhere along the way and, and I got it, it from my grandmother. Wow. She yes, didn't I... know she was teaching me that, but mm -hmm. that's really where I got it from. Mm -hmm. She always said that if B and Mary can't tell you what to do, then go see Christine. Wow. And she always included other people in our lives mm -hmm. because it's an old adage that people say, but I saw it for real. Mm -hmm. And that is, it takes a village to raise a child. So that 
I find this generation is so, I don't want nobody in my business mm-hmm. kind of attitude that they kind of hold their children to themselves mm-hmm. to the child's detrimental. It's a detriment to the child for a mother to hang on to a kid and take the kid everywhere he go and do everything with the kid and don't. It says to me a greater, Tiffany's always talking about deep. I find that a mother that does that doesn't have a true relationship with God. She don't trust. You see, it's a lack of trust when you take your child and nobody can tell it anything but you. I've found in my walk over these many, many years that you make mistakes, but it's okay. It is okay because we ain't Jesus yet. So we make mistakes, but it's how we handle those mistakes. How do you come out of resolve of a mistake? Number one, you gotta be honest that you did make a mistake. Therefore, you can't hide it from a 12-year-old child or not even a five-year-old child, not in this day and age. You need to allow them to realize it's okay to fail, but be able to give them the resolve of the failure because there really is no failure. It is just you stumbled, you made a mistake because you made poor judgment. But if you allow God, you can't do nothing without him. That's the bottom line. You set the standard, you said it earlier, and I agree 100%. Your standard has to be that from the word of God, not from people, auntie, uncle, cousins, because people all have opinions and everybody feel like their opinion is right. But if you lay a standard in a child's life and let that child realize that that standard comes from the word of God, they can go anywhere. You can release them, let them go anywhere, do meet anybody, do anything, because they are always come full circle. That's what the Bible said. Were you going to say something, Mom? No, yeah, okay. I think she said it. All right, cool. Um, I think this is important. I think there was a question. I think it's around what we're saying right okay. now. How do you create the balance of being able to keep a connection with your child to open up and tell you secrets, hurts, pains, and joys through the ages of five to 17. I remember what happened with me, um, um, and I don't know, maybe you can expound upon it. I remember there was something that I did with my parents, and we had a book where I could write down in that book whatever I wanted to, questions, things I had challenges with, and then I would put it on my father's desk, on my mom's bed, and that was the way we communicated when I could not do it. But that book was also reciprocal. They could also do the same thing with me, which, which made me pay attention to all they wanted to say before we had a conversation where I felt like I might not have been heard. That was one of the things that we did. How do you do that? How do you get them, how do you stay connected to your child, especially from five to 17? What do you do? Um, one of the things that we did is right before they went to bed, we would always allow a time of sharing. Um, we would ask them what was the highlight of their day or what was something that disappointed them or what did one of their friends say. We got all in their conversations with their friends and, and the, the goings-on of the day. And we started that with them when they were little and we carried it all the way through. One of the things that their daddy would do was lay hands on them and pray for them before they went to sleep. And so we built in 
transparency and openness from little bitty children. And then we moved it from um, getting ready before they went to bed to the dinner table. <laughs> and we would always have dinner together. It was one of the rules that we had. And we would have a time of talking around the dinner table. Those are two little things, I think, that build a bridge and a foundation for you to be able to have conversation, open, transparent conversations with children. And one of the other things, parents or, or mothers especially, don't gasp and, <laughs> and be dramatic over things that you probably did when you were a child. And you, <laughs> let me tell you what happened. I, my mom found out that I, uh -huh. Transparent. was having sex. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we did is we went to the doctor. <laughs> Embarrassment. And the whole, the whole thing around sexually transmitted diseases and all of that kind of stuff. She immediately went there. Are you pregnant? Do you have a sexually transmitted disease? You just a hoe. That's what it said to me. You know what I mean? I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> I understand very well where Tiffany is coming from, but let me talk a little bit about the same issue from a single parent. She was married and had a husband to help her along the way he prayed and laid hands. My kids didn't get that advantage. Uh, I was their absolute. So I had to be very careful about how I reacted to everything they said and did. And I had three distinct individuals and each of them whew, were very, very special. <laughs> and as a mother, I had to be very in tune to each individual where they were and not do a comparison. And that's what a lot of a, you do. Well, Joey was this when he was that age, and now I expect Dee Dee. No, 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 no. Every child is distinctly different, and every child is going to come at you in a total different way. But I, like Lady Carolyn said earlier, had to reflect back on what did I do to my parents? See, we so easily forget. What did I do to my parents? Ooh-wee. God knew so well that I was going to be a piece of work that he gave me two mothers. Really, that had to be God. <laughs> He's a funny God. He gave me two mothers. I had two mothers all my life. I've never been without two mothers. And each of them treated me differently. Each of them treated me differently. So I had to stop and always think before I reacted to a child like my Dee Dee, who said whatever she wanted and thought at eight she was big enough to do whatever she wanted. Oh and there were days that I wanted to relieve her of her pressure and take her out. There were other days that I would just sit and ask God, why didn't you give me help? 
You gave Mama B and Mama Mary help. They, they talked to each other about, it's your turn to beat her. It's your turn to talk to her. It's your turn to do. I didn't have anybody. So as single parents, I know how you feel, right? And when I tell you she could talk, you think I talk? Oh, wow. She could talk and defend herself in such a way that you almost want to feel sorry for. But remember, I was the mother. I couldn't feel sorry. I had to train. I had to be an example. I had to teach. I had to do all the things the married mother did. But you know what I learned very early? Thank God I did. I learned to go to my basement, which I had, turn on the washing machine and dry it with no clothes in them and let them both run and cry out to God. I can't kill her because I can't take jail. So God, what do I do? How do I handle this? Holy Spirit, I know you're on the inside. This is a time you're going to have to come out. And that's what mothers today are ashamed of admitting that you don't know it all. You forget your past. You forget how you were. And you forget that you made the choice to have them. When you lay down the consequences, come on. So now you are in a training mode. So you have always got to stop and allow somebody to help you. And there is no greater help than the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I would uh, add a couple of little things. You need to become a wow woman. Wow. And wow stands for woman of wisdom. Because um, hopefully in your mistakes, Tiffany said that I took her to the doctor and embarrassed her and all of that and I made, I made all kinds of mistakes along the way. The first day of kindergarten, uh, it, uh, I should have walked her to the back door and the back door was like three, three houses over because they had played on that playground since she was a little kid. So her first day of kindergarten, I was like, go on girl, you know where the door is. And I was five. <laughs> <laughs> and she was hurt until she got to encounter over that, okay? But, and, and, but it, because I forgot that her name means delicate one. And T is absolutely right. You have to treat each one of them differently. And the other thing, you have to become a, a wow woman, a woman of wisdom. And the other thing is a mother has two sides, she has the L part of God and the Shaddai. She needs to be that straightforward woman that speaks truth and is commanding and demanding at times, but she also needs to be a nurturer. And I didn't have as much of the nurturer as I needed when I was raising my children. But mom, you have really grown in that area, especially in the last five years. It, it is something that I have really needed, especially within the last 10 years, a, a, a listener, someone to say, I understand, someone to call just for no reason. And you know, you have, you have really done, done well, especially these last few years, you really have. And I, I really appreciate that. Thank you, ma'am. Um, Thank you. Our last, 
our last thing, just, just so, I, so women can, mommies can grow too. Yes, important. In fact, in their growing, I think this is the last thing we need to talk about before we end today is, I think it's a question, the, the question is specific, but I think you'd need to answer it in a more general way. The question is, what does the, what does the line of parenting stop between mothers and sons when it's time for a son to leave and cleave to their wives, especially um, if there's a tie, a strong tie between mother and son? What's that boundary look like um, as we end and go on to our to end of service? Wow. I know T has a lot to say about this, and I know mm. that um, she had to Im not employ, but um, have strong men around um, that would help her to raise a son. But I've had an absolutely wonderful father in the lives of our children, and um, there have... I don't think that it's a hard line, uh, but again, it's a line of wisdom uh, because sometimes even grown sons need the nurturing of a mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I do know that there is a place in the life of a son that a mother can't give to his manhood. And um, your willingness and sensitivity uh, to turning him over to a man, a trusted, valued man, because not all mothers are married, or to a father that's in that home. And it could be that the father may not be the wisest. I remember um, <laughs> uh, my brothers being deeply hurt and my nephews being deeply hurt by um, the mother leaving them to their dad and their dad was so harsh and, and so hard with them till we were always having to come back around and try to soften the blows and to rebuild their egos. But there is a place that a mother cannot give to a young man. And that manhood place is a thin line and it moves. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be sensitive by the Holy Ghost, I believe, to know when to hold them and, and when, when to fold them. Amen. Listen, can I say just one statement? Let me say this statement very carefully. Because you're where you are today in this house, and because God has put good men in this house, he has given us a father in this house who opens his arms to everyone. So if you are a mother in this house with a single son that you're having issues with and you haven't brought him to you, the father of this house or those men who are closely connected to this father of this house and you can't come and say to a father of this house, oh, I want you to spend some time with my child. Can I let you spend some time? Honey, you got to put your pride aside. You got to put everything aside and every time you look around, you need to have that son in their face. Do you understand me? I was blessed to, God took me to a place where there were men just like the strong men in this house right at the time my son needed to let go of my skirt but I didn't know how really to release him because Boy Scouts wasn't it community centers weren't it because everybody in those places then were just beginning to embrace homosexuality and I knew I didn't want them speaking into my son's life. He was already feeling rejected by his daddy. So I didn't need those guys in the life. But the Holy Spirit, again, 
guided me, listen to what I just said, the Holy Spirit guided me to where I needed to be for his life. And I then pursued every married couple in that church that seemed to have a good marriage and I didn't know what went on behind doors but when I saw the husband respecting the wife, opening the doors, being there, participating in everything in church, I would go to them and say, what are you guys doing this weekend? Do you mind taking my son Joey with you, please, whatever you're doing? And those guys, not single men, married couples because I needed Joey to see what a marriage looked like because I didn't have one. And his father wasn't at that time presenting himself as a husband, even in his marriage. So I had to have, now ladies, I wasn't that smart. It was because I daily asked the Holy Spirit, what do I do? How do I do it? And those days when it was really heavy, when he felt like he knew what he was doing and he wasn't going to let me do nothing no more, I would go turn the washing machine to dry on and cry out to the Holy Spirit. So funny. Will you clap your hands for T. Garland, Minister T. Garland, too. We appreciate you, T. Thank you for coming to hang out with us. It's been an awesome Mother's Day, yes? Yes. It's been a, a kind of a mother kind of a feel Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. It's been soft. It's been hard. Maybe some hard words have been spoken or reminders that some of the mothers needed to hear. I think it's been a good day. Mom, maybe... Um, you can, you can pray for those of us. Uh, we are very aware, especially as a family, that we are an example of, and, uh, of what you can have. We present an aspect of, uh, of hope for, for people who hasn't, haven't necessarily had the type of relationship that we have. And maybe they're just in the different stages of the ones that we've had. And maybe there's, um, maybe there are some of you who, um, who need some wounds healed between you and your mom or between you and your children. And maybe mom, you could offer a prayer for those who, who, uh, who need that this morning as we end our, our service today. One of the first things that you do as a mom when you first get a child is you bring them close to you. You know how, you, how we do. We count all their fingers and all their toes. And you look at their little nose and you see yourself. And you see what a miracle God has performed. And then your journey begins to take care of them, to nurture them, to shape them, all those things. But the first thing you do is to bring them close. I want you to come close today. You that maybe need some nurturing yourself. Maybe you didn't get what you needed before you became a mother. You that have been wounded along the way. You that want to be a a greater mother and those who want motherhood. Maybe you haven't been blessed with motherhood yet. Maybe you're a single, but you really know that that is is a desire of your heart, but maybe it hasn't happened yet. You need that flame fanned again this morning. If you fall anywhere in that category, 
I'd like for you to stand and make your way to this altar just for a few moments. Come close. Let's pray. 